I w- if you're interested in like pushing yourself and seeing how deep any particular topic goes, I would recommend writing a book. If you don't know if the book will sell well and you're only writing it to make money, I would not recommend writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear. Uh, this book is not putting my kids through the McDonald's drive through line, let alone college. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 90. And on today's show, we're going to talk about side hustles. I think we got some interesting things to get into there. But as usual, we will start with our triumphs and fails. I'm going to start with you, Ben. What's going on, man? I'm going to go with a small triumph, which is that uh, last week I started building something at work, a little feature. And essentially the high level concept is we work in prototypes. And as you're doing stuff in prototypes, like uploading screens and adding comments and changing the status of things, there's an activity stream. And there was a ticket somewhere that said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could subscribe to this activity stream using RSS feeds? RSS for the kids out there (laughs) is a really simple syndication. And it's a technology that refuses to die because apparently it remains useful decade after decade. Uh, So I started to build out an RSS feed for the activity stream. And I should have really done a proof of concept very early. Or maybe that would have backfired. I don't know. But I had to actually build a certain amount of code, like a couple of days worth of code before I could really produce an RSS feed that was meaningful. And then I went and I pasted it into Slack. You can have Slack subscribe to RSS feeds. Mm-hmm. And I was like all jazzed up. I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> and, I, and I do like slash feed subscribe and I give it the list URL and it shows the entry that I had, but it didn't include any of the images or like any of the markdown in the description. And it really took the wind out of my sails because I felt like it was the image plus the description that really was going to make the activity stream as an RSS feed juicy. And uh, yeah, and I was like moments away from just deleting all the code. I'm like, oh, this was a stupid idea. No one's going to like it. It's not going to be worthwhile. And I was walking my dog and I had to remind myself that as someone on the legacy platform, my job isn't to build awesome things every time. My job is just to throw as much stuff against the wall to see what sticks so as, as like this fertile testing ground, and then maybe the people on the new platform can take lead on that and build something on their end. So I convinced myself to keep going and I finally finished it and deployed it today. And I made a demo using Feedly, which is just another RSS reader. I think it's probably one of the more popular ones. And they have a much richer experience. So as lackluster as it was in Slack, it actually looked, I think, kind of cool and polished in, in Feedly. So I don't know. I just felt good about that. I felt like... Sometimes it's really easy to quit and sometimes it's the right move to quit. But I think I was quitting for the wrong reasons because I was just a little bummed out. And I felt really good that I was able to hang in there with some grit and get it done. So I feel good about that. Good for you, man. Get her done. Nice. Get her done. (laughs) Get her done. Indeed. Good job. What about you, Tim? What do you got going on? I'm going with a triumph as well. The phrase shipping ain't easy, but it's necessary. (laughs) I think that's how it goes. (laughs) Something like that. No, it's just, I get excited with like really big releases, and but we haven't really had any really big releases lately. It's just lots of small things pretty much every day, sometimes multiple times a day, shipping to production and, and putting out new features and bug fixes and things. And it, I just realized that's a good thing, right? That's a sign of a mature product that, mm-hmm. that if you're just shipping little things constantly, something comes up, something changed, new feature added, and nothing breaks when you do that. 
then that's just a sign that you got things rock solid. It's a bit boring, to be honest, but it's a sign of health, I think. I think it's a sign that you're doing things right. And if every time you ship, you almost ship your pants because you're afraid <laughs> stuff is going to break. Well, Bill Cosby commercial reference there. If you're nervous every time, then that's a sign that you're not in a healthy place. So just, just reflecting on that today. And I think that's a triumph. I like it. Aren't there two quotes around shipping? Like, it's it's like if you're not terrified to ship, you waited too long. And if, if you're not, what is it? Like? And then there's another one that's, I think, on the other side. Mm. I don't know. There's two I don't think so. I think all of the quips about shipping early are in favor of, like, as soon as freaking possible. Right. Like, mm-hmm. get it out. Yeah, MVP yeah, yeah. In, in 48 hours mm-hmm. or bust. So that's me. How about you, Carol? I'm going to go with the triumph too. That's three for us. Um, I'm doing a good job or so they're (laughs) telling me. (laughs) I had my first like big quarterly like one-on-one where I go through kind of what I'm excelling at, what I need to work on and just kind of chat with my boss about my role and just everything. And I had a really great conversation this week that basically went, you're doing an amazing job. And I am so thankful for everything that you're taking on and for the role that you're doing because it's so needed on this team and was very receptive of the criticism I had and like the feedback. So yeah, I feel like it's going good. And I was, it was great to hear I'm doing a good job because this week has been hard. (laughs) The past few weeks have been hard. So hearing I'm doing good made me feel a lot better. Zero surprise. Could have told you that straight up (laughs) having worked with you for so many years. I guess I get in my own head sometimes, but yeah. Don't we all? Try it for me. Yay. Yeah. And that praise is what makes it all worthwhile. All the extra stress of all the other stuff. Absolutely. What about you, Adam? Bring us home. Make us all winners. Yeah. I was going to say, so we got the three triumphs going so far. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with a fail. Yeah. So I'm calling this one, No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. My my mom, I try to be her IT support. And oh, the last God. time, yeah. <laughs> so she's currently using a laptop that I helped her pick out from Best Buy, I don't know, 2014, 2013, maybe. So it's time to replace it. I helped her find a good deal on a brand new Dell 16 inch, something or other. I had her order it and send it to my house. I picked out some upgrades for it because they're cheaper to do yourself. And on non-Apple laptops, much easier to replace (laughs) yourself. And so I had a laptop and a hard drive and some RAM sent to my house. And I popped it open and plugged in the RAM and the hard drive and booted it up and nothing. And so I go through the manual and look at it and say, oh, okay, the the RAM isn't compatible. It turns out I bought the wrong clock speed. There's so many. Mm. I I was a Windows person for the vast majority of, gosh, maybe not anymore. I was going to say the vast majority of my life, but I'm getting old now. Welcome to the club. Yeah, I've been a Mac person almost exclusively since like Black Friday 2012 or earlier. I don't know. Anyway, I'm out of practice buying hardware for Windows computers and I bought the wrong clock speed of RAM. There's too many like too many details you have to get perfectly right for it to work. And I haven't even figured out why yet, but also the hard drive isn't recognized. The I bought a replacement. It's an M.2 NVMe, half a terabyte drive. And it's the one that came out is an M.2 NVMe, but for some reason it doesn't work. So I had to put all the hardware back to its original state, the base model, and I, I got it working. So at least if she wants, she could start using it now. But man, I feel like a, a, a knucklehead. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about hardware. There's so much. There's, yeah, there, there's so much to 
to do when you're building your own machine. We went that like beginning of the pandemic, what two years ago, my, my son and I said, all right, we're going to build a gaming machine for him. And mm-hmm. it, fortunately what I did was I looked at a YouTube video. There's a, I forget the channel that this guy, he just builds like these gaming rigs and pretty much I just bought everything on his list with a couple replacements because I couldn't find it because of COVID. But it was fun building it. But yeah, it's so tricky to try to make sure you get everything right. Just right. Yeah. And if you're going to build like a desktop, not only do you have to worry about like, do the components all work with each other, but then you have to make sure that you get ones that will fit in the case. It's like different cases. Everything, when I first started doing this, there was like two size cases. Now there's (laughs) like 12. Yeah. We're going through this right now. There's actually a website that is great. That's an awesome resource. It's called PCPartPicker.com. And it has builds for you. So you can just follow someone else's build or you can just add components to what you're building. And it'll let you know like, hey, you're going to need a bigger power supply because you don't have enough power to do this. Or it'll tell you like the RAM that you have in your car isn't compatible with the motherboard you got. Or you're going to need a different case. It is really good about telling you when things are compatible or not. So that's that's what my kids use when they're building their stuff. And that's what Peyton's doing right now is building a new computer. Yeah, love PC part picker. When I built mm-hmm. my Hackintosh a few years back, I used that heavily and it was super helpful. I've never um, looked to see if they do any laptop stuff, but there has got to be something out there. Maybe. All right. So that'll wrap up Triumphs and Fails. So here we go, guys. It's our first correction. We have to air a correction now. <laughs> um, our first correction that we know of. <laughs> well, somebody brought it to our attention. So Sean Oden, one of our patrons, and he's in our Discord, had this to say after episode 89 where we were talking about SOC 2, and we it seems we kind of intermixed SOC 2 and SOX, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. So here's right. what you- I was talking about. I was talking about Sarbanes-Oxley, right? I, I misunderstood right. you, and I thought you were talking about SOX. So. Yep. So this is what Sean said. He says, in the Triumphs and Fails section, y'all were talking about different things. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. Y'all, I couldn't help it. We're talking about different things, and you're all in industries that would be affected by both audits. Both are extremely strict and thorough, and both cover a lot of stuff, but they each have a slightly different focus. SOC 2 is a more focused on the fine points of the processes, and I don't think that they have a regulatory purpose. They're a private industry thing, and they're mainly a confidence builder. Whereas SOX audit is what Tim was talking about. It's a bit broader in scope. It was the result of Enron shenanigans and they're controlled by the SEC and they can have some financial or criminal penalties associated with them. So it's more of a fraud prevention mechanism. He says both are pretty big and many moons ago, the company he worked for did their SOX audit and they also ran a SOC 2 audit at the same time. They're complementary and SOC 2 makes SOX easier. SOX was a pain in the booty, (laughs) to paraphrase. (laughs) And he hated it because it directly impacted his team and him. But having actually known some people who were ruined by Ken Lay and Enron, he understands the purpose. He says, I don't envy any of you having to go through them. They're good things to do, but even better things to be done with. And even just only a few, now this is me talking, even just only a few days into it, I can already agree. (laughs) I'll be much happier (laughs) when I'm on the other side of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and think, thinking back, actually, I, our company, we don't do SOX audit, S-O-S-O-X audits on ourselves because we are a publicly traded company, but we're a Canadian publicly traded company. So Ooh, they don't have Starbase Oxley. Yeah. Okay. But we are involved with SOX audits for a lot of our customers because a lot of our customers are uh, publicly traded. And so therefore, they auditors pull us in and we have to answer questions about how we are dealing with accounting and 
and things like that. We also do a SOC 2 as well. I did, did some research after <laughs> Sean corrected us. So we also do a SOC 2 as well. But honestly, I, I don't have a whole lot to do with the SOC 2. So when you said SOC, I heard socks mm-hmm. and therefore <laughs> the crosstalk. Yep. Yeah. So. Sorry about that, you guys. Yeah, it had to happen eventually. <laughs> Can't get them I'm, all right. I'm sure we've been wrong about lots of things, but this one we <laughs> caught. So, yep. So, all right. Thank you, Sean, for paying attention and for yeah, keeping us accountable to that. So now I'm going to do the thing I should have done probably like a month or two ago. Another one of our patrons, Gavin, sent in an audio clip. And so here that is. Hey, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Thanks a lot for the Working Code podcast. I love it. This is Gavin, for those who don't know. Basically went back and I started listening to all of them because I've only caught a few over the last couple of years. So I wanted to make sure I filled in all the gaps. So I've listened to the first 37 and the last nine. So I've still got about 35 to go. So just over halfway (laughs) there. That's great. Wish I actually had a pen and paper to write down some of the cool quotes and sayings and uh, meanings. Guys are dropping a lot of cool knowledge and uh, really, really enjoying it. And I'm glad I can support you guys as a Patreon supporter. It's cool to get in there and chit chat in the Discord as well. And yeah, really talk about more evergreen content. Uh, a lot of the stuff is really relevant now or forever. So keep it up. Appreciate it. Uh, and I'll be listening to the next one. So keep on plugging. Cool. Oh, yeah, I love great. Gavin. He's yeah, such he's a great. great guy. He's one of the cold box team. Yeah. And did you guys understand all of that with his NZ accent? Oh, I love a Kiwi <laughs> accent. I love a Kiwi accent. So awesome. The term, now he used this and I guess I never really heard the term before. Maybe I have and just ignored it. But what does he mean when the content is evergreen? So it's not in today's news, right? So if we were to talk about things in today's news, things that are trending on Twitter today, then if you were to try to come back and listen to the podcast in a year, then it may be totally Uh irrelevant. But talking about the idea of side hustles or documentation, these are things that will never be irrelevant to to listen to or to never is a long think time about. but hopefully as long as uh, we have careers yeah for sure <laughs> okay cool thanks I, for I calling in gavin yeah that's awesome yeah absolutely and, hey you guys send more clips in we'll, we'll play yeah. your clips and yeah we'd love to hear them so appreciate that and we'll try to play them <laughs> the week that you sent them in <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs> yeah he's slogging through some some shows there so mm-hmm. he's binging us glutton for punishment there you go all right side hustles what's up yeah let's talk side hustles so there's a couple of different angles i want to look at this by i mean i personally have a couple of side hustles but what made me think about this and maybe we can circle back on this later is the psychology of the side hustle i realized maybe a year or two ago that like if i have an opportunity to turn something that i do for fun into something that can make me a little bit of money even if it's not like enough money that I would, if you were to pull me off the street and say, hey, learn to do this thing and then I'll pay you for it, I'd probably have turned you down. But since I was already doing it for fun, if you're going to like start paying me $5 an hour to do it, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> I just have this like inability, this mental block to to not take an opportunity to make a little bit of money on the side. And I'm not sure it's entirely healthy, but <laughs> like I said, uh, we can either do the psychology part first or we can circle back on that later. It's funny you brought that up because when you mention side hustles, my first thing went to, it's a shame that people feel they have to do a side hustle if it's strictly for financial reasons, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you're just doing it because it's a passion, it's like you have a regular day job and you just really are just into something else and you can make a little money off of it. That's great. But, you know, I just, companies need to pay people a living wage where they don't feel <laughs> yeah. like they have to have this other job besides their, uh, their real job in mm-hmm. order to have a side hustle. But I mean, so when I'm talking about side hustle, I'm talking about purely a passion project that you're doing strictly because you know what? You don't really need the money and mm-hmm. that's a very privileged place to be in, but you're doing it because you love it. And you think maybe one day you might leave what you're doing now for your regular day job and shift to that. I'm hundred percent for that. If it's a side hustle where you're just not making enough money at work, you need to quit your job and go find something else to do where they can pay you right. Yeah. I mean, that's not a side hustle. That's a second job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you're, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. Like when I think of it, I think of like sort of three categories of side hustles. There's like, I hope I can quit my job and do this instead one day. And then I would say like, there's one, there's a category, this pays for my hobbies, right? So a lot of people, Mm -hmm. woodworking in particular, a lot of people will get into it and start to like make a few little things and sell those so that they can pay to buy more tools so they can do more woodworking type stuff. And then for the third one, I just say like beer money, right? Like it doesn't actually yeah. earn you any substantial money, but it's enough to go out for coffee, cover lunch one day or whatever. But yeah. Speaking, speaking of pays for my hobbies, I don't know if he listens to the show, but have you seen Jason Dean's pens that yeah, he makes? I have. He turns. How beautiful. I mean, amazing work. Just the, these wooden pens that he turns are just absolutely fantastic. And he sells them. I mean, the prices are pretty decent. I mean, what he sells them for, and by decent, I mean in his favor, not the buyer's (laughs) favor. (laughs) But yeah, that's a cool, I've always wanted to learn how to do that, but just haven't had the tendency. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw those because he started sharing that on Facebook right around, like maybe a month or two after I got my lathe, which is the tool that you need to make those. You got what? uh, A lathe, (laughs) L-A-T-H-E. Yeah, so there's different categories of side hustles. And I think that there's nothing wrong with any of them. Again, as long as we're talking about a side hustle and not a job, a second job. Not that there's anything wrong with having a second job, but ideally your first job pays a living wage. Yeah, I mean, some people decide to get second jobs so like their spouse can stay home with a kid. Like that's not what we're talking about, right? Like these are decisions you make together to like better your family situation. But for sure, this is a judgment-free zone here. Oh yeah, yeah, none whatsoever. (laughs) So one thing I had done like a year ago was I signed up with my friend for this thing where they send you an email and they're like, hey, we want you to go review this restaurant. So they want you to go in and like take pictures of the bathroom and tell them like what temperature your food came out at and what you ordered and what your bartender's name was and who your waiter or waitress was. And just like describe everything. Like you have to be super descriptive in what you're doing. And it Mm -hmm. ended up taking me like an hour and a half to write this review because I was trying to be so descriptive and trying to get all of the pictures exactly where they needed to be in the timeline and stuff. And then it was like, my dinner ended up being like 120 bucks. And then they gave me a hundred dollar gift card. So I was like, I'm not winning here, but I'm kind of <laughs> winning, right? Like I'm still getting you get a nice dinner out of off. It. I still get a yeah. nice dinner, even if I paid 20 bucks, right? Like, so it was good because I enjoyed the writing, the descriptive part of it, because it was 
the only time I write that's not technology related. Like I'm used to documenting processes and I'm used to documenting how code works and technical writing. Like that's different than when you're trying to describe temperature of food and flavors and how things were prepared and to get like, here's a hundred bucks. Thank you for eating here. And, you know, I'm sure like it's helping the restaurant to you do better. But yeah, I only did it twice though, because, well, I got tired of writing, <laughs> but uh, it was fun while I did it. <laughs> My friend does it like every week. That reminds me when I was in college, I got the opportunity to do like a secret shopper. There was like a website yeah, that I stumbled things. into. Yeah, yeah but it, it was specifically for pizza. I think it was Domino's or maybe it was nice. Papa John's. I don't know. But it was like you order the pizza and it has to be delivery. And then you take pictures of it, how it arrives. Did the cheese get stuck to the lid or anything like that? <laughs> and was it cut evenly? I don't remember all the things that you had to look for, but it was just a quick write up and some yeah. pictures and you get a free pizza mm-hmm. out of it. Like I didn't even get paid anything. It was just free pizza. And hey, I was in college and free pizza once free a week pizza. was free pizza. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So this is like the corporate parent checking on the franchisee yeah. owners to make yeah. sure that they're living up to their standards. Yep. It's, exactly. It's basically internal spying for them. Do you guys yeah. have Goodwills? where you live or like yeah, a do. salvation army yeah. okay so the ones here like it's con it was constantly coming out they're like go review this and then the review checklist it was like leave a donation tell us what you donated ask the person who takes your donation if they're willing to hold an item for you if you tell them what you want ask them if you can go in and like look around the warehouse i was like I'm not having these conversations with people. Like, here's my old jeans. I'm leaving. Thank you. Like, I'm not going to stand here and ask you these 10 questions because I have a feeling multiple people ask them this, right? And I would just get annoyed by it if I were the person like working. But I'm like, there's no way I'm going to have this conversation. This is too much talking to humans. I'm done. (laughs) I'm over it. Yeah. I think one of the best side hustles, and it's not one I've done, I've thought about doing it, is where you I mean, we're all programmers. You take your the knowledge that you have and do an online course, right? A side hustle, I think, really should be something that's passive income. I mean, Adam did that, sort of. Yeah. But I mean, like Udemy or, or some of these other ones that where you can like upload your course and then people can subscribe to it and you get a cut of it. But the thing is, I mean, th- that's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. that, work. that's a whole lot of work that you'd have to set aside. And a lot of time you have to set aside. Time that, honestly... That's the biggest thing for me with side hustles is it is time that is, I'm going to have to, it comes from somewhere, right? right. I'm not taking it out of my work day. Nope. I'm not going mm-hmm. to steal from my employer right. my time. So it's going to come out of what? My family time, right? Yeah, Don't want to do weekends, that. Yep. Right. So nights and weekends. So yeah, I mean, maybe when the kids leave, they'll have more time and can maybe do that. But like online courses, it seems like a great idea because I've heard lots of people can make really decent money doing an online teaching some programming language or some design skill or things like that. I think those are excellent side hustles because you do it once and then people buy, keep continue to buy the, the courses and you get a little residual money, depending on how popular it is. You can make somewhat decent per month. It may be easier to do something like that if you partner up with a few people, right? Yeah. So that at least they help you build the content, even if they don't deliver the videos with you, but just help build that content out. Then it doesn't take so much away from your family. Right. And it's a totally different skill set, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. all about filming and sound engineering and all this sort of stuff. I mean, you probably don't have those skills yourself. So you have to pay someone to do that. So there's upfront costs and you don't really know how popular your course is going to be. Right. But you hope it will be. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do years back, I re- really considered doing one on Git. 
like when Git was kind of first gaining popularity. Mm-hmm. And I was like talking about Git at conferences and things. I was going to do one on Git. And then someone came out with one that was so incredibly superior to anything I could have done. I'm like, <laughs> I can't right? compete with this. Yeah. I can't compete with this. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that's one of the things that, that gives me the biggest mental hurdle is that I feel like the experience and expectation bar has just been raised so high across a lot of the industries that I I think maybe we are in where I feel like it's really hard for one person to feel confident. And I'm talking maybe about me, maybe not generally. It's hard for me to feel confident about building a side hustle and then looking at all of these other polished products where it's a team of people doing that kind of stuff. And I have to picture myself stepping in and trying to do and make what a team of people would do and make. And it's incredibly intimidating. You're, you're speaking really abstractly. Did you have something like a, are you thinking like a book or a course or what do you have in mind here when you're talking about this? I mean, like even just you're talking about making courses and I, and that's not a team of people, but it's like, those are some of them are people like, yeah. And like, they really know what they're doing. And I like, I futz around with stuff. Like that's my area of operation is like heavily futzing. <laughs> and, uh, and there, there's turn... a show title if I ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> heavily futzing. <laughs> but even, you know, like I've had uh, this dream of building a fitness app forever. I mean, literally since high school, I've dreamt about building a fitness app and I start to go down these little rabbit holes about different technologies. And then even that, it just, it becomes this a rabbit hole of like, where do I host it and what technologies do I use? And then you start hamstringing yourself because you start wanting mm-hmm. to make it more polished and more professional than probably it would ever need to be. And then you end up going down all these side quests about random. I, yeah. I actually know just a little bit about the psychology of that. I don't know. Maybe psychology is a minor interest of mine, but. Well, you are married to a therapist. I am. The, the, <laughs> you actually get a dopamine hit from talking to other people about like a thing and it's not as good as the dopamine hit you get from doing the thing but it's close and so like the trap is to tell somebody that you're going to do a thing right i'm going to run a marathon whatever it is (laughs) and talking about it feels almost as good as doing it so why bother doing it you just keep talking about it and so like there's a sort of a little trick to get yourself to actually do things is to promise yourself you'll never talk about it till you actually do it but i wonder and this is just speculation if it's similar, like you were talking about, you keep going down these little rabbit holes about the technology. I wonder if that distraction, worrying about getting the tech stack just right and the hosting and all the other little technical details, that's all meta thought about the app. Like none of that has anything to do with the app itself. I wonder if you would find like, if you just busted out a notebook and a pen and you started drawing what you wanted the screens to look like in your app and listing the features and that sort of thing, I wonder if you would find like motivation to follow through. I feel like part of the problem talking about just raising the bar on experience, it's almost not even just from the customer or the consumer standpoint. I feel like the bar has been raised for the developer experience. So at work, we're using Docker and containerization and code shift for continuous integrations and things are being built in other servers. I don't even know where that's just magic. Like suddenly an image is just available for me to push to production. I don't know how that happens. And the reality is if I wanted to build a product and deploy it, I could literally just buy a VPS and FTP my files to it and (laughs) it would just work. Like it Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be magical, but I'm so used to it sort of being magical from a developer standpoint that I almost feel like I can't take the 
poor man's approach, so to speak. Like, I feel like I have to figure out how to do containers and continuous integration and like get ops and pushes and blue green deployments. I'm just saying words. I don't really know what some of these things mean. (laughs) Word salad. (laughs) I mean, I think, Ben, you're suffering from a curse, the curse of knowledge, right? I mean, the person who's going to go to an online course probably knows nothing, right? They're like, hey, my teacher said I need to learn this or I heard about this. I don't know what it is. I want to learn it. And they're not worried about all those peripheral things that, that you're worried about. They're like, how do I do X? And if the X is a very limited thing in their mind because they don't know these other things exist. And so you're shooting yourself down even before you get there. Well, and the crazy part is I'm not even talking about the stuff that they would be seeing. It's more like, it's like you ever go to someone's uh, GitHub repository. A little spoiled. <laughs> you ever go yeah. to a GitHub repository and it's for a JavaScript file and the JavaScript file has like 20 lines of code in it, but you go to the repository and there's like 74 files in the repository because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. it's all like different dot configs and readmes and contribution docs and linting files. And it's like, it's, there's this, enormous ecosystem that this person has in place to get a single file produced (laughs) and pushed to GitHub. And like part of me wants some of that magic as much as I uh, uh, like tongue in cheek, make fun of the fact that a single JavaScript file requires like 24 additional files to be in GitHub. Like part of me wants to understand and embrace the kind of infrastructure that is somehow making there's something that's being facilitated and i don't know what it is but it's magical maybe adam will do an online course for you and you can watch it (laughs) yeah i was about to say why why is it gonna be me because you're really good at teaching you're really good at teaching you you say that i think you're just trying to trick me here's my thing i get sucked into all these like little side hustles it's like none of them are super profitable right like the uh, okay so for example i am a skydiver and i very much enjoy my free time skydiving and at, uh, as the part of learning and getting licensed to skydive, you have to learn how to pack your own parachute. And as it turns out, in some places, there are people who just don't feel like packing anymore. They've done it enough. They're like, never again. And so they will pay somebody to pack their parachute. <laughs> and then there's the first-time jumpers and tandems and stuff, and, and somebody has to pack those too. So you can get paid to pack, but it is a hard life. Like if that is going to be your career, <laughs> it is a hard life, right? You're, are you talking like $5 a pack? For student rigs, I get paid $6 a pack job, which is about a 12 to 15 minute job. So I could do yeah. like four pack plus job an hour. just sounds so bad. Just get your mind terrible. out of the gutter, sir. <laughs> and a tandem, I get paid for, I get paid 15 per, and that's more like a 20 minute. But how long does that take? 20 minutes. <laughs> I just said that. Wow. You were too busy oh, laughing. You were stuck I was in the gutter. <laughs> laughing at my own joke. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's like, and the thing is, like, I if it was just give up 20 minutes of your life and get paid $15, I probably wouldn't mind. And the thing, the whole reason that I started doing it was not so much to, to make a bunch of money, but because I'm part of a club. Like, the place that mm-hmm. I skydive is not so much of a corporation. It's more of just, like, a, a club. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, the oldest still operating skydiving club in the country. But oh, that's cool. Uh, Franklin so, used to jump out of planes. <laughs> <laughs> not quite that old. But as a club, we have meetings and do votes and that sort of thing. And I started packing to help out the club, right? Because we need somebody to pack to pay for the or for the tandems so that they can, the, when we take tandems up, that subsidizes the other costs of having a club. So I started doing that. But it is, aside from taking time and my precious little amount of time that I have to be able to skydive and just turning it into work, it's hard work, right? It's generally when you're out there, it's because the weather is nice. So you're hot and you're sweaty 
and you're lugging around a huge, you're like wearing two prom, prom dresses at the same time, basically. It's a huge amount of nylon and folding it up real nicely. And it's, it's hard work and it's hard on the knees and which are mine are not particularly good to begin with. So it, like when you talk about I, Adam should do a course for this. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm hesi- I have hesitations. Although I do think, I mean, the fact that you're doing something for your skydiving club brings up this idea of overlapping passions. And I think that's where I feel most confident about doing something that would be considered side hustle is something I have a general interest in already and or overlaps with something I'm already doing. So it becomes more like a like a side exploration of something I already like as opposed to like, I'm going to get into flipping houses because that seems to be how people make money. But like, <laughs> I don't know anything about flipping houses. I literally just asked Steve today. I was like, hey, what do you think about flipping houses? He was like, where did that come from? I was like, I don't know. Just thinking, what do you think about flipping houses with me down the road? He's like, we're going to have to figure out how to become handy. Because I think right, we're yeah, capable, exactly. but we don't know how to fix anything. We call someone for everything, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, good point. We'll keep thinking of other things to do. <laughs> yeah. So like my, the two things that I've thought about somehow making money at on the side would be a fitness app, but that is something I like to do anyway, fitness. And I'd almost be building it for myself and then making it available to other people as potentially a small source of income. And then another thing that I've kind of enjoyed historically as poetry and I've taken creative writing classes in school and creative writing poetry and short stories. I remember your poetry on love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've always wanted to maybe build some sort of an online poetry app or something, but again, it's like these overlapping things. None of these things are totally out of left field. They're a combination of technology and something I already like to do. One thing that I actually do pretty regularly get paid for is so industry consulting And so there's these companies that what they do is they have clients that want, they're thinking about, so I'm in the credit card financial services business and also insurance. And so they will basically set up a meeting with you and someone who's looking to get like a, an industry perspective on what the lay of the land is. So they set up a call with, usually it's like some CEO or a CTO at a company and they have a, I have like a half hour conversation with them. They just ask me questions like, so what do you think about this company? What do you think about this company? Where's the industry going on this? And that's, I don't even know how they found me. There's like four different companies that send me emails like once a month and they'll pay anywhere depending on the company uh, between a hundred dollars and $300 for like a half hour conversation. So, I mean, that's not bad, but I mean, I don't know how you get into that. Right. <laughs> it just landed in your lap. I, I just kind of landed in my lap. And sometimes that's like, the scheduling with them is so annoying sometimes. And they have like the same list every single time. It's like 50 questions they ask me to, it's like they ask me to, to speak to these people, but then they ask me 50 questions to pre-screen to me. I'm like, you obviously know what I do because you contacted me. Why do I need to answer? This? Sometimes I'm like, I don't care. I'm not even answering this email. I'll just delete it. And sometimes like, yeah, a couple hundred dollars would be nice. Let me talk to them for a little bit. So yes, yeah, so I don't know how you make that your side hustle, but you know, I guess they found me on LinkedIn or something. So. They were like, we need that guy from the Ozark show. Yes, right. (laughs) (laughs) Corrupt Senator number two. (laughs) So, Ben, are you, I wanted to give you an opportunity to plug your OnlyFans. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's an erotic massage channel. I thought it was for your dog, Lucy, where she's humping the, <laughs> her, her, her day bed. Oh my God. I keep wanting to make some sort of an Instagram feed for her, but I just can't seem to motivate it. This is like, it's like a perfect example of something that could be very simple, but in my mind, I've made it much more complicated than it had to be. So the easy route would just be open up an Instagram account for Lucy and start posting pictures of her humping her bed. But like, as someone who's in technology, I think to myself, well, but wouldn't it be kind of cool if there was some sort of a static site for these videos? Then I'm like, oh, because there's all these static site generators and Golang and... and, and You're probably React already and- on a list for all the videos you post on Facebook. Man. Do you really want to... <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I start looking at the different site builders and suddenly it's hours go by and I'm completely overwhelmed. And now I'm worried about pre-processing of images during static site building. And I'm like, oh, this you're, is you're, ridiculous. You're, you're optimizing too early, <laughs> my friend. Too premature early. optimization. And I don't know why I get sucked down these holes. I don't understand what happens. And that's kind of, it's a little crazy for me to hear you say that because you are very much in the immediate no, right? So like what you're working on, you're like, I want this to be my focus. I don't want to look at what's on the roadmap for a year down the road, right? You're like very in the, I am immediate right now. This is all I care about. Everything else goes in the backlog, right? So then for you to like talk about this project of just starting an Instagram page and how far you got into the future planning of it, it's the opposite of what you do on a daily. It's so great that you point that out. I was just talking to my wife about this because at work, we're going through a lot of stuff at work right now and everyone's trying to adjust their mindset of how they want to be operating. And I was talking about, there's a movie called The Replacements. I don't know if I've talked about it before in the show, but there's an old Keanu Reeves, Gene Hackman mm-hmm. movie. It's a lot of fun. And the quick premise is a bunch of the football teams go on strike. And so they bring in some strike busters to play amateurs. Yeah, to play the games while the contracts are being negotiated. And at one point, the players union, I guess, reaches some sort of an agreement. And it turns out that The Replacements, the Keanu Reeves of the show, it's going to be their last game. And and Gene Hackman, in the pregame speech, is is trying to get them hyped up. And he says something along the lines of, for for all of you, there is no tomorrow. And that makes you all very dangerous people. (laughs) And and that's how I feel at work. I'm on the legacy platform. For me, there is no tomorrow, more or less. Why haven't you mentioned this? (laughs) (laughs) And because I have this sense of no tomorrow, it's like, I just, all caution has been thrown to the wind. I I have become a very dangerous person. (laughs) (laughs) But yet somehow in my personal life, like I can't embrace that mindset. It's like I... I focus so much on the long term and the how is this going to build up my knowledge base and how is this going to make me a better programmer. I get so mired in the details that I can't just take that next step and deploy something or FTP something or whatever. Like I can't just keep it simple because I start getting too focused on on what the future looks like. I think you should think of the right now and how happy you would make me and so many people if we could open Instagram in the morning and see (laughs) humping a bed. Like it, I would start my day off with a smile, right? Like I would be like, right. "Oh, the daily Lucy hump." Oh, look yeah. at Lucy! I mean, like, babe, look at Lucy. Ruby, look at Lucy. Why don't you do this? Do cute she's things. Like the, she's like the Doug the pug of humping. <laughs> if this was Shark Tank, I would just like get up and walk out of the room. I'm, that's how not interested I am in this idea. You would subscribe to this account. I would not. You'd follow it. So, what about writing a book? Is there anyone here who's wrote a book? I don't know. I mean, Adam said everything. <laughs> I mean, I have a signed copy of yours. I know. 
I wrote I've a read book. it twice now. So, so I'll go ahead and plug it because why not? It's a restassuredbook.com. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you are just buying a copy to support me, I'll let you know that the ebook is cheaper and I get a bigger cut of that. So I'd rather you buy the ebook, but hey, I know some people like dead tree books and that's why there's a that's available. But do you sign the ebooks? Uh, <laughs> Email a signature over? No, but yeah, I do offer signed copies of the physical book too. So what's that process like? The physical book? Or writing just a writing book? a book in yes. general? So I follow some business people on Twitter, in particular, Amy Hoy, who I know I've talked about on the podcast before. And I forget what year it was, but it was around Thanksgiving. And she decided, and oh, I don't know when she decided it, but she announced on Twitter, I'm writing a book in 24 hours and it will be on sale 24 hours from now. Wow. And and she like, not only did she write the book in that 24 hours, but she was tweeting about it. She went out to dinner with a friend and a couple of other things. And her, her whole thing was like, we were just talking about with Ben getting his app done, getting caught up in the going too deep on things and uh, premature optimization. Her whole thing is just like, ship something valuable and improve it later. And like the first mm. version of the book was more or less like incomplete. There were ch- sections that she was like, just kind of slap something together. And she's like, I'll come back and improve the section later. But you know, for, she spent like an hour or two outlining and then just got to work writing the different chapters. And I was inspired by that actually. And I'll go ahead and plug her book too. You're going to have to quack it, but it's called Just <laughs> Ship, which is <laughs> maybe it's a, it's appropriate for you here, Ben. Shipping ain't easy, but it's necessary. <laughs> right? That's right. So I was inspired. I didn't choose to write my book in 24 hours. I think it ended up taking me two weeks, but I was inspired to just like not, I didn't set a deadline, but I was just like, just push. If it can be improved later, then I'll do it later. But if I have the word salad in my head, I'll just type and type and type. So I did it in two weeks on nights and weekends. So after my family went to bed, I stayed up for another two or three hours, type, 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 and kind of similar on the weekend. And the book has gone through several revisions, right? People, it had a different name at first. I changed the name. There was no hard copy at first. It was only an ebook. I pre-sold it and that was... It was fun and challenging. And I, if you're interested in like pushing yourself and seeing how deep any particular topic goes, I would recommend writing a book. If you don't know if the book will sell well and you're only writing it to make money, I would not recommend writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hear. Uh, this book is not putting my kids through the McDonald's drive through line, let alone college. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but you know, every now and then it buys me a beer. So yeah, I mean, like I said, it was fun. It was challenging. It was rewarding. And at the end of it, I've got this thing that's just sitting there on the internet. And like earlier this week, I sold a couple of copies and, you know, it's like, it's a nice little, like every, you know, once a month or a couple of times a month, you just get like a, Hey, by the way, you just made 20 bucks. Like sweet. And I didn't have to do anything for that. So (laughs) restassuredbook.com. Very cool. I would love to write a book. I mean, I love the idea of writing a book. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I have enough in me. Like, I'm You're kidding. You have a huge blog full of content. It's all random stuff though. It's all just, but it's not, it's all one topic. It's, a, I could picture writing like a shorter book. Like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Alista Park books. They're all like booklets, I guess, almost really, but they're really well done. And it's like just enough information to get people excited about a topic and slightly educated it's not one of those like 400 page in-depth yeah, kind of like ben forda's like learn sequel and yeah yeah so i think my book is like it's like 
I don't know, five by eight or the physical copy. I'm holding it here. It's not like a full size like textbook or whatever. Yeah. It's medium sized. It's and a booklet. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's 80 pages. Yeah. See, I feel like I could get more comfortable with wrapping my head around that kind of an endeavor. It feels tractable. Uh, writing a 400 page book does not feel like something I would ever be capable of. I just don't think I'd have the dedication. I would get I get bored way too fast. Yep. And usually it's a team of people doing that kind of thing. I mean, Ray Camden writing those and Ben Forder writing those. The CF Whack books. Yeah, the CF Whack books. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a team. They have a whole team behind them, editors, things like that. And even Ray is like, yeah, I don't make any money off of it. It was a whole lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. I think he was just doing it for the, the notoriety. For the most yeah, part. Yeah, the notoriety. So yeah. for anybody who doesn't know, the CF Whack book is the CF as in Cold Fusion Web Application Construction Kit. It was like this series of yep. books. But heck yeah. Now we're talking about evergreen content. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Outdated before uh, it aired. Exactly. <laughs> so all right. I want to circle back. What what other side hustles do any of you guys have? That like things that you do that you make a little bit of money on, whether it's so Ben, or not Ben, sorry, Tim, I know you do like catering sort of thing, like cooking. I don't know how you would describe it, but like when you did the things for your boss yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of an annual kind of thing. I mean, I would, I don't know if I'd like to be a caterer. I do love cooking. I did. Do you get paid and, for and that's that? Kind of, yeah, I get paid. Okay. Yeah. We charge everyone a, a per, per plate cost. And then my son serves and he gets paid too. But I mean, that's a one-off thing. It's just sort of a fun guys thing that we do every year. But as far as the cooking goes, I did, I, when pandemic started, I started cooking blog and it did have some Amazon links. And I, actually, for some reason, I figured out how you can submit. So Google has, I totally forget what this is called, but you basically, you have this metadata that you can put on a page that has a recipe. So whenever you Google a recipe, a lot of times you'll just get it's not even their web page. It's just a Google thing that comes up mm-hmm. with the number of stars and you know how people rated this recipe. Well, that's all metadata that you can set. So I would set like I was, different recipes for things that I've cooked and put like in my metadata, 500 people gave this five stars. And it just shows up. It just shows up that way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, honestly, how many people are Googling for recipes of alligator or whatever? <laughs> no, 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 this is normal. This is like doing ribs and brisket and just general kind of normal things that normal people would cook, not not duck testicles. And so in there, I put Amazon links for referrals. And what's interesting is I didn't know this when I first signed up for it. But if you put an Amazon referral link in there. Even if they don't buy, like, like I put like stuff for like the sous vide machine or cutting board or knives or all the ingredients. As long as they click that link and then they don't even buy what you recommended, if they go buy something else, like a hot tub mm-hmm. or something else, you still get a cut of that mm-hmm. because they use your link to oh, go to Amazon cool. to get it. And you see, cause I can see all this stuff that people bought and very rarely do any of them buy anything I recommended. <laughs> but mm-hmm. someone bought a hot tub? But while they were there, they bought something else. They bought a thousand dollar hot tub, and I get a percentage of that. Nice. You get so, a dollar, yay! <laughs> it's a little more thousand dollars, a little bit more than that. It's, it's pro- probably like four or five percent of that. So, which okay. isn't bad. So, but it, again, it's not huge, but it's like it's passive, right? I don't have to do anything. It's it, free. It just, yeah, yeah. They send yeah. a check every now and then. So, so. I used to uh, back when I cared about Cold Fusion. I used to have a thought at the time at least 
fairly well-regarded blog and pretty regularly wrote on it. And I did occasionally throw in Amazon links to things. And like you, I never really got any referrals. The occasional thing that I actually linked to got bought. But the one that got me was somebody bought underpants. Just like, <laughs> not any, yeah. not even anything like fancy or good or anything. They were just like, oh, I need some new Hanes. <laughs> well, I'm here. Yeah. I'm not going to buy that thing Adam recommended, but I'm going to buy some underwear because mine all have holes in them. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny seeing what people buy based off after they click your link. Yep. In fact, knowing that now, it's like if ever I click a link and I think it's a referral link, I will close my browser, <laughs> mm-hmm. delete my cookies, and then open it up and buy something else on Amazon so that I, I don't want these people seeing what I'm buying. No. Yeah, if I see something and I think it's an Amazon referral link, I'll just copy it and then paste it in a like a incognito window. So There you go. Yeah. So I do have a couple of things that I do that I thought may be worth mentioning. So we talked about, I actually kind of have gotten out of packing just because it is hard on my body and my time available to do skydiving stuff in general is limited. But I've kind of pivoted there to, I'm a skydiving instructor, so I can take students up for their first jump or subsequent jumps. And it's easier on my body. I get a free jump out of it and I get paid. And so like- Get paid to jump. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's definitely more my interest. And then like other little things aside from my book, I got myself a 3D printer just because I was interested in it. I thought it was something that would be good to get the kids involved in. And Eventually, I started printing stuff that was like functional for me for my like for my workshop. I do have two different like shop vac hose adapters sp- made for a specific uh, router that I have that I sell on Etsy because like I wasn't able to find any other way to hook up a vacuum to oh, to the tool. Yeah. So I made my own and now I sell it on Etsy. And again, it's that's like one a week or two a week. What's um, it for? So like hooking up, <laughs> this is stupid, hooking up a shop vac, either a one and a half inch or two and a quarter inch shop vac hose to a Triton handheld plunge router. Okay. Classic. Yeah. You know, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> as you do. Because my wife, she's like, she likes making rings out of wood and she bought off of Etsy. I was wondering if it was you after you said that, a 3D printed tool. So we have like this uh, sander mm-hmm. and the sander has a port that you can hook up a shop back to. Yep. But there is no tube for it to actually hook it up. So someone 3D printed it and you can hook it up so that way you can take all the stuff that comes off the sander and goes right into the shop back. Now that you mentioned that, I have another 3D printing project ahead of me. I have a similar sander <laughs> uh, and I'm and I just kind of hang my dust collection hose over by its output port, but it's not the right yeah. size. So yeah, yeah thank you for it, that reminder. It, <laughs> it's a Harbor Freight one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about passion projects. So years ago, when we first went to Dragon Con, they have a thing every Labor Day weekend on Monday. They do a robot battles. So it's like these little homemade. Have you seen Robot Wars where yeah, yeah. like all these robots? A lot of those guys now on the show are from that circuit, right? Mm-hmm. So this kind of like it's a smaller, a lot smaller robots, lower weight class. And uh, so went to that. Me and my son went to just, yeah, I just thought it was awesome, right? So got into it, tried to build a robot, built one, didn't really perform well, but I was part of their group and they needed like a different little Comic Cons around the Southeast. They needed a presenter. Like, so you have like a host, like the, who's the guy who's the announcer and like keeps track of the score and everything. And like in between, there's a lot of downtime. Like a lot of times you like, a robot gets knocked out and like has to get some repairs. So you have to basically do a comedy routine. Right. And so clean out the arena. Yeah, exactly. And so 
yeah, so that was, I, I wouldn't really call it side hustle because I, the only thing I got paid was I got free admission to any con, right? Mm. So I could go to the con. I got free hotel. So I got free stuff. Yeah. I didn't get like a, a, a paycheck out of it. But it's like, I'm going to, I want like to go to these things anyway. So yeah, so I got to dress up and like act like a fight promoter. And, uh, you know, in this corner, <laughs> weighing 15 pounds, buzzsaw. Yeah, so... <laughs> Just sort of a passion project. Well, what about your uh, your career as a gag? <laughs> Childish Loun- Gambino. L- lounge singer. Yeah. Lounge singer. Yeah. That, 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 you know, it was very short. Very short. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a, one other thing. Like, I haven't actually done this yet, but I have just this idea that I've been nurturing for years of doing cutting boards because they're relatively easy to make and they're small and enough that I could like ship them anywhere. Them. Yeah, yeah. People tend to like them. And the thing is, I have I have a CNC, so I could like, custom carve like your family name into it or something so like i kind of customize it to you which not most woodworkers have so i don't know it's like i I need to just do it right the problem is i have other projects kind of blocking me in the woodshop oh and also i bought myself a lathe with the intention of like learning how to make bowls and like i could just put (laughs) it's so easy in theory once you get it down it's so quick and easy to just throw together a bowl in a couple of hours and then the then you just like list hundreds of bowls on Etsy and then they sell slowly over time or whatever. And uh, from wood you pick up off the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone ever tried? So I know like Fiverr and things like I'm sure there's plenty of people that have like a one-off kind of cold fusion or programming project, depending on whatever language you're in, just gone on Fiverr and just offer their services to say, Hey, if you need a little short, like two to three day fix, fix my problem kind of thing. Right. I've never done it. I've thought about it because, you know, sometimes it's like, when I was in a different place in my career, I thought about it, but now like I'm at this point now where like the end of the day comes and if I'm not heads down on something that I'm actually enjoying working on, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Five yeah. o'clock, yeah. I'm like punch out. I don't want to be anywhere near a computer anymore. And that, that's the thing I think is really hard with these side hustles. I think that's why they tend to be very different from what your normal day job is. It's, I think the hustle is less about maybe money sometimes and it's more about just having something interesting that's not what you do every day. It's not work. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, yeah, it, that's why I've never gone to Fiverr and say, you know what? I'm going to go work on some more cold fusion code. Because no. it's like, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like, the last thing I want to do, I want to, you know, I want to play d and I want to get on a podcast with you guys and talk. And uh, the last thing I want to do is look at someone's crappy legacy code that they hate so bad, but they can't get rid of. And that they hire strangers to come work <laughs> on. I feel like it can't be a good code base if they're hiring someone on Fiverr. For sure. Like, yeah. No for sure. possible way do I want to step into that. Well, <laughs> I, I, if I, I were did. contracting, like as my job, it'd be different. Like, cause I feel like that's yeah. a good way to build like some clientele, but yeah. not just for a and weekend. It, cause what am I going to accomplish in a weekend if you have big problems? I get the sense that the people that get selected on Fiverr and Upwork and those other platforms. Now, maybe we should mention we met Matt, our editor, through, I think it was Upwork. He's great. But, uh, yeah, he, he is does, great. does a fantastic job. But Shout out to you, Matt. <laughs> and, and honestly, the, the reason that I did our editor audition the way that I did is because of my own, I guess you would say, worries about the way that people get treated on those platforms. I don't have any personal experience, but my intuition tells me the lowest bid wins. And so people are, it's just a race to the bottom. How cheap can you Mm -hmm. do this? And Mm -hmm. so when I did the audition, I was like, I just want a limited amount of work. I'm going to pay everybody that I choose to do the job. I think I picked three or four people. 
yep. paid them up front, do the work, and then uh, you we'll know, then pick we pick one those, and yeah. and we'll create an ongoing relationship. And to, to be fair, the only reason we picked Matt is because he made our all of our voices sound really sexy, <laughs> Very so much so much better than when we actually record. <laughs> yeah, you won't recognize us by voice when you hear us in public. <laughs> exactly. It's on purpose. It might be worth mentioning. I think I don't know if Netlify runs this, but there's something they had some sort of like dusty domains competition mm-hmm. what? where it was like people who you know the joke in our industry is people buy domain names uh, and the uh, intent to have a side project and then never do anything with them and nope. they just remain park pages so mm-hmm. they had some sort of i don't know if it was a competition or if it was just a like a friendly let's go do this kind of a thing but they were doing it's raising money they for were encouraging people was that okay yeah they were encouraging people to take one of those "Quote unquote dusty domains and actually do something with it and and ship something. Hmm. That is Netlify. so cool. And that was awesome. Oh, I guess kind of be a side hustle. So I get these emails. I don't even know how to sign up for it, but it's like so these hackathons. They'll have hackathons where companies like offer awards. I've always wanted to do one where if I find the right use case, because I get like an email once a week from this hackathon company, they kind of aggregate all the hackathons that are going on. And you can make, I mean, some of them will like $10,000, but you have to use their product and right. You have to do a sort of a pitch of like solve a problem right. and it's all marketing for them. Right. So it's basically, Hey, I used your product and I created this cool thing. Here's this neat thing. And you win some money. Mm-hmm. I just thought that now I'd like to actually do one with my son when he's getting further along in his programming courses is kind of pick one of these hackathons and build something and see, just submit it and see if you win. So I think, because there's tons of them, there's a whole lot of those kind of things out there that you can do. I like that idea. And plus you get to learn a new technology and then maybe that actually might be useful. So, Well, should we bring it back around a little bit to the psychology side of stuff? I guess for, I, if I think about it, I think that maybe the reason that I'm so quick to jump on anything that'll pay me a little bit of money probably has a lot to do with the fact that I grew up relatively poor. And so it's just like this instinct to to not starve, even though I'm not <laughs> anywhere closing to not anywhere close to starving. But yeah, I don't know. At the same time, though, like I said, I don't think it's the healthiest thing. Like, no, there are things that I do for the money that's not is not, quote unquote, worth my time, where maybe if I was a perfect person person, perfect father, I'd take that time and spend it with my kids or something instead. But I think it's a very American thing, right? So it's like we have this American Puritan guilt if we're not working. Constantly doing. It's Mm -hmm. not that it's not very much European. I mean, like my family in Europe, it's like they don't understand. They they take right right now, they're all taking the entire month of August off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a crazy, it's a true right? Holiday. It's like, yeah. I wouldn't know I wouldn't know what to do with myself if I wasn't working for an entire month. I would like question my entire choices and Mm -hmm. insanity so i think it's kind of a unique american thing that we feel that we have to always be producing making money and it's just i don't think it's healthy i'm trying to stay away from that yeah honestly and it just occurred to me i think another big part of it for me is again another unhealthy part but it's i think that based on when I was born or the lifestyle I had growing up, whatever, whether I wanted to or not, a big part of my self-worth comes from the amount of money that I bring in in total Mm -hmm. every year. And so there's this like subconscious, if I can make another 50 bucks, then my self-worth goes up some. And it's, it makes me feel icky to think about it. But at the same time, like thinking about it is Mm -hmm. is the first step to fixing it, right? 
It's very much our culture. It very, I mean, in Japan, uh, from what I understand and from what I've, having been over there and just read a lot about their culture, it's not even necessarily about the money. They just want to be seen as helping the company, right? They'll, they will have no work to do and no one will leave until the boss leaves. They can technically can leave at five, but they will stay there to eight because the boss is still there. And the boss is only staying there till eight because he wants to look like a, a industrious boss. But none of them are doing anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've heard that before. I, I think your last point, so you have a point here, mad respect for people who are just content. I, I think this whole idea of side hustles is great if it's a passion project, sure. but if you're just happy with what you're doing and just want to making money is just a way to, survive and live and thrive and spend the rest of your time with the people you love. That is totally cool. Oh yeah. I wish I could feel that way. <laughs> nope. I have no side hustles. I just hang out with my family. I just Well you have a podcast that you're a, making yeah. total bank on. I know. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Patreon or anything. <laughs> I actually pay money I know, to right? be on this thing. <laughs> I joke around with people about that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I pay you to do that podcast. <laughs> Cool. Well, I guess before we get out of here, let's. We got two things that we need to talk about. We are rapidly approaching episode 100, so this is what? episode. This is episode 90, wow. which means in 10 weeks we're going to be releasing episode 100. Which means for the four of us now, that means in eight weeks we're recording it. So Tim, you got to get mm-hmm. us that hot sauce. So if you haven't heard us talk uh, about this before, we are going to do a hot ones inspired episode here. So we're going to try to do video because it's more fun to watch people eat food that's way too spicy than it is to listen to them do it, I guess. (laughs) And so video will be available and we're going to poison ourselves with hot sauce. And the idea is Mm -hmm. we'll do, if you're familiar with a Reddit AMA, short for Ask Me Anything. So we'll put up a form on our website, workingcode.dev. You'll be able to find it in our Discord, but where you can submit questions and hopefully we'll get a bunch of those and we can pick through, find the best ones and ask them of each other while we are trying to breathe. And yeah, ask, ask us anything. You can ask personal questions, work questions, industry questions, programming questions, doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. If they're too personal, we might not include them, but ask, yeah. we'll try. Yeah. Ask card questions. Mm-hmm. Go watch a couple of uh, Hot Ones episodes. Yeah. He's a really good interviewer. So. so, yeah, it's on YouTube just to search Hot Ones and you'll find lots of great yeah. stuff. Lots of good celebrities have been on there. Maybe someone should ask what Ben's OnlyFan address is. <laughs> it's Lucy's. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, please run. So, yeah, episode 100, Spicetacular. That's what we're going to be doing there. And so then that just leaves one more thing before we get out of here. On the after show tonight, Tim. I'm talking about Dragon Con, baby. <laughs> Biggest fan run convention, nerd convention ever. It's coming up. When this show comes out, I'll be like a couple days away from going there. So. Can't wait for the nerdgasm that it is. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about, oh, God, who turned my camera on. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm going to be talking about Working Code podcast stickers and t-shirts, maybe? We'll see. Hey. What? Working Code f- f- Flare? Awesome. <laughs> flare. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Merch. Merch and Flare. Cool. Well, this episode of Working Code is brought to you by Heavily Futzing. this episode of working code is brought to you by heavily futzing it's not what you think it is (laughs) and and listeners like you 
If you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting out more of whatever this is out into the universe, then you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons cover our recording and editing costs, and we couldn't do this every week without them. So special thanks to our top patrons, Monty, Gavin, and Sean. If you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. Let's see. Since we're talking about the AMA, I'm going to say join our Discord. It's workingcode.dev slash Discord. We would love to have you. It's a great place to hang out. And if you have any topics or questions for the show, or if you want to come to our AMA, or not come to, but submit questions for our AMA, you can find us at workingcodepod on Twitter or Instagram. You can find them in our Discord. You can email us at workingcodepod at gmail.com. Or if you want your voice memo like Gavin's this week to be aired on the show. (laughs) Gavin's awesome memo. I promise... I promise we'll not have to wait like a month or two months to air. I'll Sorry, get Gavin. it in <laughs> the week that you send it in. Then you can send that to us also at workingcodepod at gmail.com. That's it for us this week. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. And until then, remember guys, your heart matters no matter how much you pack for the club. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.